We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. How are you guys doing today? I'm going to use this microphone until the battery dies. Is that okay? Because we didn't charge it up, and I figured, oh, it's all right. I'll, uh, I'll use it tonight. Because uh, I know a lot of times on Thursday nights you guys get tired, and uh, but once it dies, boom, I have a backup right here. It's pretty cool. Um, just before I forget, uh, this Saturday there's not going to be the yard sale after all. Um, just uh, some things happened, and so, Robert, we're probably going to postpone that right to a different day. And the Lord knows, you know, one thing I've been seeing like a lot, but especially today, is, you know what, um, God is on the throne, and, and when he moves things around, it's because he has a better plan. You know, it's always like that, and I've seen that so much lately. And so um, last uh, Tuesday, a couple of days ago, we had the ladies uh, come out, and they, they made their things, and they had cookie exchange, and I had never really known what that was. And so I got to get a little glimpse of it, and it was really, really cool. I don't know if you guys can capture that, but what it was was all the ladies, they bake their cookies, okay? They bring them, and they're supposed to bring two dozen, and then... It's called a cookie exchange. So then you come in, and you're able to get all the cookies that kind of like a sorted, uh, uh, you know, um, I guess, variety, and then take it home and be blessed by that. But from what I understand, man, a lot of ladies came out in spite of the rain. The fellowship from just talking to the sisters was amazing. And then they saw a Bible study uh, by Kay Arthur. And for those of you ladies who know who Kay Arthur is, uh, she's a, a real good teacher, kind of like setting the tone for Christmas. And so... When I saw that on Tuesday, it really just stirred up my heart to say, you know, we'll take the, the whole month of December, you guys, and we'll just talk about Christmas. We'll talk about um, the reason for the season. Because I'll say this uh, real quick. I was at a Best Buy the other day with a friend, and, uh, and they were asking if the price was going to go down on Good Friday. And uh, the sales guy said, oh, you mean Black Friday? And, she, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, <laughs> Black Friday, and I was thinking, you know, we we can very easily kind of get things, uh, I don't know, I guess you could say out of order, and so what I wanted to do tonight was uh, just from speak from the heart. I don't have any notes because they didn't print, and uh, just a lot of things, you know, that the Lord has in plan, not not my plans, but his plans, and so, you know, um, I, I wanted to share with you guys uh, out of the book of Galatians tonight. And what I wanted to actually share was um, kind of setting the tone for Christmas. This is a great passage for this time of year. Notice what it says here in Galatians 4. It says in verse 1, Now I, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father even so we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world but when the fullness of the time had come god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons 
And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let me pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you so much, Lord, that we can study it together. Lord, I pray that you would teach us these things and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would plant uh, this truth in our hearts, Lord, that, that we are heirs, and we're so excited about that. But more than that, we are so excited that we're sons of God, that we're daughters of God, and we are children of God with the Spirit of God because the Son of God was sent on Christmas Day. And, Lord, I pray that we would know that. I pray that we would celebrate that this season. And I pray, Lord, more than ever before, Lord, that this truth would transform our life. We love you and thank you so much for coming. And just pray, Lord, you open our eyes, open our hearts, and do a new work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you can talk to any leader, any pastor, any person, pretty much any Christian, and they'll tell you this, that pretty much everybody here is struggling, right? I mean, some of you guys are doing good, so you can leave. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, I just know this. I just know we're all struggling, and I talk to people. And sometimes as a pastor, you can almost get frustrated. You're like, man, you know, what's up with this, Lord? Why is it that, you know, they know your word, they know how to pray, they come to a good church. I know that for a fact. I know there's love here. I know there's grace here. But why is it, Lord, that there's a lot of people that are struggling? And and for, I guess, in one sense, you guys, the struggle will always be there. Um, we're never going to reach that place where we're perfect, you know? Um, but for some, I think the struggle is probably too severe. It shouldn't be that bad. And so, you know, you know, we try. Sometimes we get frustrated. And I think a lot of times what happens is we got to go back to the basics. And I think for us, understanding this passage right here is very, very helpful. Now, just in case you didn't know, the book of Galatians was written probably to the churches that Paul founded on his first missionary journey. And when he preached the gospel there, there was power. People were getting saved. People's lives were being transformed. It was amazing what God did through Paul the apostle, man. Just the power of the gospel, just the power of the fact that you're a sinner and you're separated from God. That's the bad news. And the good news is Jesus died for you on a cross and he rose again after he was put in the grave the third day. And if you put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. And by that faith, the same faith that, that saves you, it sanctifies you. And so God did a work when there were no churches and there was zero knowledge of Jesus. God did a work in the churches of Galatia. It was amazing. Just the power of believing. The power of believing and receiving Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, right? But then what happened? You guys, you know, when you study the Bible, when you study the book of Galatians, what happened was these Judaizers came in, these false teachers, they crept into the church, the Bible says, under radar, under stealth, and they started teaching people that that wasn't enough, that you needed to get a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more complicated, and rather than having a loving relationship with God, they entered into a legal relationship with God. And they started saying, hey, you got to go back to Judaism and back to circumcision and back to legalism and back to religion. 
And there they, they, they were stripping the power from the gospel. And that's what was going on. So Paul was mad. Paul was mad. Uh, Paul, man, he wanted them, like, to, to be castrated, the Bible says. These guys that are telling you to circumcise themselves, I wish they would castrate. That's how angry he was. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 1, what he said is, man, you know, these guys that are preaching a different gospel, if they do, I pray they would be anathema. And you guys know what the equivalent of that is, right? He said, I pray they would go to hell. That's how severe it was. That's how bad it was. Why? Because Paul cared. Paul was concerned. And Paul knew that not only does the power of the gospel save us, and by faith we're, we're saved, you guys, it's by faith that we're sanctified. As a matter of fact, if you go to Galatians, if you go back to chapter 2, look what it says in verse 16. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For the, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And so when you place your faith in the finished work of Christ, you're justified. It's a legal declaration of righteousness in God's sight. It's just as if you'd never sinned. That's how you're saved, right? But did you know that that's also how you're sanctified? If you go over to Galatians 3, look what it says in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Can you answer that question? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It was by the hearing of faith, right? So this is what he said. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And, and the answer is no. You see, it's not religion. It's not legalism. It's not circumcision. It's not the works of the flesh. It's the, the Spirit of God working in people who believe in the reality of God, that when we walk through our day, he's always with us, that when we walk through our day, we abide in him. And John chapter 15 talks about that. That's really about living in constant communion with God. When you are walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When you fulfill the lusts of the flesh... It's because you're walking in the Spirit. And so Paul writes the book of Galatians, and, and he's trying to tell them, you guys don't go backwards. Go forwards. Become a man of God. Become a woman of God. Start being used by God. Let God work in you. Let God work through you. Let God, you know, raise you up to, to man, to make a difference. I love what we read in the book of Acts. It says that they turn the world upside down. God can use our life like that. You know, we're constantly in fellowship with God. I don't know if you guys realize that or not. Do you guys realize that? I mean, he's always with us. I mean, are you constantly talking to him, walking with him? You know, it's kind of funny. This morning I was in the garage and uh, trying to spend time with Jesus. And then my wife and my son come in and they're like, hey, can we interrupt? And I said, okay, hold on a second, Lord. And so we're in the, in the garage and, you know, we hear our dog, Chip. I talk a lot about my dog. He's so cool. He's the world's best dog. 
He's amazing, man. But he started freaking out. He was freaking out. He was screaming, like, you know, dog screams. And so, you know, I immediately thought he was probably getting eaten by another dog because that's happened kind of before. And so we ran outside. And thank God it wasn't that he was being attacked. It's just that there, he was almost being attacked. There was a, um, what are those dogs called? Pit bull. It was a pit bull in our backyard, right? So I went and I said, hey, you go away. And he jumped the fence. And then Chip went back inside. And then I was uh, just talking to my wife. And I said, you know, she's all, oh, you should go over there right now and talk to our, our neighbor, talk to the lady. And I said, no, not right now. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And I have holes in my uh, sweats. And I'm not ready. And we'll wait for the perfect time, you know. And just, you know, and she's like, no, do it now. And I'm like, no, not right now. And so we got holy headlock there for a while. And then, you know, intense fellowship. And, you know, it's... And so anyways, you know, she's probably thinking she's right, and she probably is right, right? I mean, that's a pit bull in our backyard. And you guys see the story on the news, right? And so anyways, my bad. But, you know, God is so gracious. Um, what ended up happening was I went, and I don't know if you're going to follow me on this, and I don't even know if you're going to, you know, like this is going to make any sense to you. But to me, it made a lot of sense. I went out to put gas in her car, and the alarm wasn't in the little pouch that's on the keychain. And I was, I was just frustrated. I said, Lord, I said, this is the devil. You know, the devil's trying to mess me up. Have you guys ever said that? This is the devil, man. You're, maybe you call your friend the devil. You got to be careful, right? This is the devil. And so anyways, I went back in the house. I'm looking around. I finally find the alarm. And then I come out of the house, and as I'm coming out of the house, my neighbor's coming out of the house at the exact same time. You know what I said at that point? This is the Lord. Just a second ago, it was the devil. Now it's the Lord. And you might think, oh, it's just a coincidence. No, it wasn't a coincidence. I mean, we don't really see this neighbor too much. And I knew in my heart that it was the Lord. Just, man, all over our life in, in, the, in the little things and, you know, hiding the alarm from me for a second, you know, giving me the three-minute delay, having her come out at that same time. And, and I just pray that, that we would know this is the relationship that we have with the Lord, you know. And so, you know, when you go back into, you know, legalism, you go back to the externals, you go back into religion, you go back into circumcision, you go back into the law, you go back into the works of the flesh, you, you exit out of the relationship, how are you going to grow? How are you going to realize that God's involved in your life? How are you going to have faith? And so Paul, he's really upset with that. And he's writing to them, and he's telling them a whole bunch of things. And when you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's talking to them about experiences that he's had and, and just he's reasoning with them. When you get into chapter uh, 3, he really begins to expand on the scriptures. And then he starts telling them, he's like, don't go backwards. Do you know who you are? You are an heir of God. And you guys know what that means, an heir? You know, my wife and I, we received an inheritance. Her dad worked hard. And he built houses, and he did, and he, you know, would rent and then buy another one. And just, man, her dad took care of us and left us an inheritance so we don't have to worry too much about a house because it's hard nowadays, huh? It is so hard. I don't know how you guys make it. It is so expensive out there. 
we received an inheritance. I know a little bit about what that means. One day when we die, we are going to be joint heirs with Christ, and everything, think about that, everything is going to be ours. You guys excited about that? I mean, and I am too. I'm like, wow, Lord, I can't believe I'm, you know, the, the everything. But you want to know something? I'm so much more excited about the fact that I'm his son. And, and I pray that, that you, would, you would be too. Paul's starting to tell him, you guys, look what he says again in chapter 4. You know, he says, now I say that, that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave. So he's talking about them being heirs in chapter 3, verse 29. And, and he's saying, but here's the thing, man. When, when you're an heir, if you're just a little kid, it doesn't really matter too much. It's not much of a difference between you and a slave, between you and a servant, right? Because you're not old enough to receive that inheritance, right? That's not going to happen until, what, the father's time. And that's what he's talking about here. The context is more of a, of a, a, of a not an individual thing, but more of a, a congregational thing or a people thing to the Jews and the people of faith and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right, that at one time they're 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 heirs, uh, but they're still kind of young. Right, they're not going to receive it yet. He says in verse two, but that that one is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. And some of you guys have probably heard of those stories that, you know, like for example, the uh, you know the owner of In and Out, his daughter and whatever granddaughter reaching a certain age. I don't know if you guys knew this. But she gets uh, more and more control, more and more money. Um, and that's kind of the way it works, right, in an inheritance. Kind of the same thing that he's talking about right here. And so he says, and then he brings in an application. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. And so there was a time when the people of God were under the law. They were under legalism. They were under rules. They were under regulations, the ceremonial law of Israel, maybe even the civil law of Israel, right? That's what he's talking about right there. As a matter of fact, if you go over to chapter uh, 4, verse 9, he talks about these things. But now, after you have known God, or rather known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? What are they? You observe days and months and seasons and years. So what he's saying is that there was a time when all the people were under the law. In one sense, they were children who were ready to receive an inheritance one day, but they were still too young, that the time wasn't right. Okay, and that was the, the people, and maybe in one sense that was us, right? But look what ends up happening next. He says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. At one time, we were in bondage, right? At one time, we were under the law. At one time, we were cursed. At one time, we were lost. At one time, we were dead. We were living in that, you know, in that place. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And that's what Christmas is. 
And that's what this time of year is. And as we enter into it, my prayer is that we would just focus. I love the fact that Christmas is not just a day for us in one sense. And even we, got, we kind of get joined in with the people around us. It's like a season, huh? I mean, if you listen to Coast, anybody here? Any of you pagans? I'm just joking. <laughs> you listen to Coast and they have a Christmas music already. I think they started it on Thanksgiving Day. And then if you want to, you can go to iTunes Radio and they have Christmas music. And I'm, all I need is Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's got like four Christmas CDs and I'm good. You know, it's a whole season. You know, and, and I don't know if you guys um, enter into that season. I don't know if you take the time. You know, but, man, now we've got, you know, a, a few weeks just to hone in on the fact that once I was lost, once I was under the law, once I was in bondage to the weak and beggarly elements of the world that had no power to set me free, that once I was, you know, this guy that had no hope, dead in my sins, but God sent forth his son. And when I was studying this out, I looked up the Greek word right there for send forth. And uh, sometimes that Greek word is, means to send out. Other times, that same Greek word is to send away. So I was thinking about that. I'm like, Lord, you know, you, you sent forth your son. That doesn't sound too bad. You send out your son. That kind of sounds a little better. You sent away your son? And then, I, and then I started thinking about that. And I was like, I wonder how that was for God the Father. I wonder how that was. And again, here's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them co-equal, all of them God, existing for eternity, perfect fellowship. And then I don't know how it is. I don't know if it's called a day or a time. Somewhere in heaven where God sends away his son. Now, for whatever reason, when I when I when I when I studied that, I thought of Gabriel. Some of you guys know Gabriel. Some of you guys don't. I thought of Gabriel saying, "Good, you know, like it's okay to send out your son. It's got, they got to grow up, right?" But then, because I know some guys are like that. Oh yeah, you know, they tell their little boy, "Not your little boy anymore. You got to go." But then I thought, you know what? Even I think Gabriel can relate to this. Sorry, Gabriel when his daughter goes back to Cambodia. And he gets a little bit of an understanding, a little bit of an inkling of what it means to send forth, to send out, to kind of send away. I mean, you know, of course we know it's the will of God, and of course we know it's what God's doing, and it's all part of God's plan. But there are no words to describe how it feels. I thought of uh, Mark Barrios, his son Randy. You know, and uh, you guys don't know the story of Randy, but Randy almost died. I mean, they just have such a, a tight relationship. And although you can't have favorites as kids, I think he's his favorite. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and the day comes and, you know, you send him off to school. He's gone. See, that's what it says right here, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. 
Now, you can read that if you want to. You can just read that and just cruise on by and, and not think twice about it. But if you do, then you're missing Christmas. If you do, you're missing, really, the love of Christmas. You know, when I say right here, I see the when of Christmas and the fullness of time. I see the wow of Christmas that God would send for his son. Now, why did God wait so long? You know, back in Genesis 3, it said that the Messiah was coming, and then when you study the law, you know, you've got Moses, and, and you know, it's all you know, symbolic of the, the Messiah to come. Why did God wait so long? Why didn't God, you know, come earlier? Why didn't he come right away? Why did he make them wait? Why were they under the law so long? Why were they there with the weak and beggarly elements of the things of this world for so long? Why? And the only thing I could think of is I thought of Moses. Because the Bible says that it came into Moses' heart to save the people. But you know what they did? They were stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. And they resisted the Holy Spirit. And so they had to wait another 40 years. But in those 40 years, they continued to be broken. And then in the perfect time, in the fullness of time, God came. Now, they still weren't perfect. And even today, we're still not perfect. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Now, I'll say a couple of things on this. Number one, it's kind of like when a baby's born, you know, um, Recently, we had an, an addition to the church. The church is growing. I don't know if you guys heard about the Aguilar baby, little Nazarene, right? Her due date was my birthday. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. But my wife, she was saying, no, she's going she to be born on my birthday. That's what she was saying. On her birthday, her birthday is November 16th. And I said, no, sweetheart. She's going to be born on my, or he's going to be born on my. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, right? But God had the perfect day, and boom, November 24th, right? The fullness of time. God has a plan. And I thought about this. I said, okay, Lord, in the fullness of time, you came the first time. And in the fullness of time, you're going to come again, huh? You see, in God's perfect timing, he's coming. And, and when he comes, it's so awesome for us to know who came. But if the president came to your house, would you trip out? Oh, you'd probably get mad, right? Okay. You'd probably close the door. You probably wouldn't answer it, or you'd probably sock him. Maybe you talk to him. I don't know who, uh, Billy Graham, okay? Let's just say Billy Graham came to your house. More than likely, you would ask, why? You'd be first, it'd be like, wow, Billy Graham. But then after that, it would be like, why? And that's what we read next in our text right here. It says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, God sent his son so you could be his son. God sent his child so you could be his child. 
he had to be born of a woman, um, you know, to teach us the way, to show us the way, and to be the way. You know, born of a woman, that's Christmas, right? I mean, think about that. It's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of people ask, well, why did God have to become a man? And, you know, the main reason is to die. But there are also sub-reasons for that. You know, God became a man to teach us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to us through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. And then in chapter 5, verse 2 of Matthew, it says, and he opened his mouth and taught them. You know, Jesus came to teach us the way. So in the book of John chapter 7, when the Pharisees sent officers to arrest Jesus, they came back and they didn't have Jesus. And so the Pharisees said, why didn't you arrest him? And he said, they said, no one ever spoke like this man. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 7, it says, after the Sermon on the Mount was all done, it says that they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Can you imagine what the teaching of Christ would have been like sitting under that teaching? You see, he came to teach us the way. He came to show us the way. Right in John chapter 13, when he washed feet after he was all done, what did he say? I showed you guys. I showed you how to be a servant. Peter talks about that. He left us an example. But the main thing is that he came to be the way. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. See, he was born of a woman. He was born under the law. And so he was presented to the temple. He was circumcised. He went to the synagogue. He learned the scriptures. He probably had a bar mitzvah. He went to the temple. He did all the things that he would do under the law. He came to fulfill the law, the Bible says, right? And what did he do? He, he went through all these things. Here it is, the main thing, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. That's the whole world, according to the book of Romans, right? That we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, it's interesting. Did you guys know that we're, we're children of God in two ways? Number one, we're born into the kingdom. And then number two, we're adopted. And when you look at the adoption, it's interesting because really when the context speaks of adoption, I mean, I don't know if you guys can, can see it. You know, I think, you know, we probably have examples. And I, and I think of, uh, I always think of Samuel. And I just think of the predicament that he was in. And I think of all the, the orphans that are out there. I don't know about you. I think of adopting sometimes. I, I, I know my, my daughter had talked to us, Dad, hey, we should adopt. And that was a while back. And I was talking to someone the other day, and I would love to do that. You know, to these kids that are lost, these kids that don't have really someone to love them, to show them, to teach them. You know, these kids that uh, in many ways have no hope. Then someone steps into their life and rescues them and adopts them. See, that's what God has done with us. 
And, and when, you, when you read adoption, especially in the New Testament, what you'll find is that the emphasis is always on the legal rights. The legal rights that they would possess once they are adopted. Now, in this case, there's two things. Number one, we become an heir immediately. Now, when we think of being an heir, I think that usually we think, okay, that's going to happen when I die, right? When I die, I'm going to be tall. When I die, it was kind of funny. I, I, I told you guys, on, uh, I think last Sunday, that I lost my wallet. How many of you here have lost your wallet? Okay, I always feel better when I see that it's not, you know, there's a lot of you that have lost your wallet. Hopefully I don't do it again. But anyways, I went to the DMV, and I got a new license. And, uh, and, and the lady asked me about my hair color, right? And I put black-gray. <laughs> I put black-gray. And she said, I'm sorry, sir. We can't put two colors. And so I was like, what do I do, Lord? <laughs> I already lied on my weight. Um, <laughs> what do I do? And I, and, I, and I had to put gray. I told the lady it's my mom's fault, you know. Started getting gray when I was in my 20s. But things are changing. In, in heaven, black hair. Right? Tall, dark, and handsome. And in heaven, I mean, I think of heaven, and I think of the inheritance that we're going to have then. And I, I don't know. I think in one sense, and I know the scripture means something else, but it says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for those who love him. I mean, there are, when we think of heaven, and I'm thinking of pizza that's not fattening, I'm thinking of no deodorant or dental floss, I'm I'm thinking of uh, just a lot of cool things. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, it's going to be cool when I inherit that. But I, here's the thing, and I want to close with this. When we think of Christmas and we think of God sending his son so that we can be his sons and daughters, so that we can be joint heirs, what I want you guys to know as we enter into the Christmas season, my prayer is really that the Lord will help us to really enter in and to meditate and to spend time reading the scriptures and praying over these things and letting it, asking God to, to just allow it to sink in more, that it, it is worthy of a season of life that we would sanctify and consider the fact that God sent his son that as we're there, that, I would, that, I, that you would know, that we would know, that as that, we don't have to go to legalism or circumcision or religion or you know, the works of the flesh or all that kind of stuff. We just come back and we believe and we understand that that inheritance, in one sense, it begins now. In one sense, it begins now. That's kind of what he says right here. He says, and because you will be sons. No, he doesn't say that, huh? He says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 
it's real interesting. And you can see it in the English. It's the same thing in the Greek. God sent forth his son. And God sent forth his spirit. Same Greek word, ex apostello, means to send out. God sent forth his spirit. And it's the spirit of his son wear into your heart so that we can do what? So that we can cry out, Abba, Father. You know, that word in the Aramaic is found three times in the New Testament. Jesus prayed it when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Abba, Father. If it's your will, let this cup pass from me. It was a time where, in one sense, it was the most difficult time ever in the life of Christ. You know, when he was nailed to the cross, it wasn't as bad. When he was scourged, it wasn't as bad. But for whatever reason, when he was there in the garden and he was contemplating the fact that he would be separated from his father, when he was contemplating that fact, he, it was at that point that he cried out, Abba, Father. And you guys know what that means, right? Abba, do you guys know? Daddy, Papa. When was the last time you, you talked to God like that? When was the last time that you allowed the Spirit of God to cry out like that from your heart. Maybe for some of us here, you've never done that. And yet, this is, this is the whole reason that he came. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 8, that we have this spirit, and what he does is from our heart, you know, he cries out, Abba, Father. Why? Because our Father protects us. Our Father provides for us. Our Father loves us. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, is a Father like none other. And so what Paul says here, and, and what I would just want to encourage you guys in today, is, uh, is, you know, don't go back. Look at Galatians 1, if you would. Galatians 1 and verse 6, look what he says. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. Paul said, I'm just tripping out. I'm tripping out. Because when you got saved, you turned to him. You turned to him. He says, and now you're turning away from him. My prayer, you guys, is as we enter into this season, as we celebrate Christ, as we celebrate Christmas, you know, that we would return to him. Not a religion, not some complicated, you know, system of works. You know, we know how to do things as we go through the motions but really an intimate, personal relationship with God where, and, and not just um, kind of going through like some type of forced, 
you know, external commandment from the pastor. But somehow, by the Spirit of God, that you would find a place, that we would find a moment, that we would find the grace in our life to be able to somewhere get on our knees and cry out to him from our heart the way that we should as his children. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, that you sent forth your son, that you send out your son, that you send away your son, Lord, to teach us the way, uh, to show us the way, but, Lord, most importantly, to be the way. And, Lord, I would just ask today that as I, just sharing from the heart, Lord, nothing complex but so super simple, Lord, that you by your Holy Spirit would just stir us up, Lord, in a way that we would, we would just know who we are, that we are heirs, that we are adopted, sons and daughters of God who have been given the Spirit of God by which we, even though we are so messed up, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And I pray that tonight, Lord, your people would rejoice and enter in to that truth. Love you, Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.